Hey y'all, thank you for joining us on today's episode of Dragon Up 6.0. Today we have the distinction and privilege of having Eric Gislason with the National Association of Safety Professionals out of Wilmington, North Carolina joining us. Uh, I've been very fortunate in the past of having Eric as one of my primary instructors in my safety progression uh, and went through the training through NASP at for both the certified safety manager CSM and for the Haswhopper train the trainer. Uh, one of the things that we're hoping to do is improve the knowledge that a lot of safety personnel out in the field don't have on the NASP. Uh, it's you know recent changes, it's recent accreditation, and how this is going to benefit so many out there in the industry that we're not aware of its existence. Good afternoon, Eric, and thank you for joining us today. Yeah, welcome well, aboard, you. Eric. Thank you, gentlemen. I really appreciate the opportunity. So, to get going, Betty, since you don't know him, what would you like to ask Eric? Well, put me on the spot right out of the gate. <laughs> We're changing it up a little bit since he already knows about Bruce Jenner. Well, I haven't really, I guess, never taken the opportunity to go in and look at the courses that the NASP offers. But I have done that today, and there's some really great courses out there. So, being new into the oil and gas industry, what of those courses would you suggest that I would take on the petroleum ones that are listed? Oh, that's a good question. Yeah, that is a good question. So, you know, we do have, gosh, over 75 different specialist courses, and we cover the gamut. We cover, you know, general industry, construction. we got a fair amount of environmental courses, and we have an entire section of oil and gas-related courses, too. And we kind of break it up into there's three different categories. We have refineries, we have pipeline, and we have drilling. And then we have three different levels within that. We have a specialist, an administrator, and a professional level. So there's actually nine different courses that are related to specifically oil and gas. And it really depends on what direction you're heading as far as, you know, are you going to be out there drilling? Are you going to be doing pipeline? Or are you going to be doing refinery? So that's just one of the, the many sets of industry that we have within the scope of uh, the courses that we offer. Awesome. Jar, brother, how about yourself? I mean, Betty, if you're done, my apologies. No, I'm good. Jar, what yeah, good, good, Great question. Not knowing uh, yeah, that was. Yeah, that really thank was you, uh, uh, Eric. By the way, once again, uh, welcome to the podcast. As far as refineries and drilling and pipeline, uh, if you know this, I don't know, I, I hate to put you on the spot, but is there a difference in incidents reported or is it pretty much just refineries or i would probably guess it would be drilling because that's not a very safe job you know but what would be your um, input on that well i don't know the exact numbers right sure, off the sure. top of my head but I, I can tell you jr that that the oil and gas industry typically has a higher incident rate it is it's very similar to construction where you're going to get higher injury rates with your your falls your caught betweens your struck by your electric those types 
types of things. The old fatal four kind of holds true into the oil and gas, especially from the drilling aspect. Now, that's going to be less in the refinery because you're talking about more set parameters of operation. Mm -hmm. But certainly refineries, as we've seen lately, have had their fair of uh, issues as well with some of the explosions we've seen lately. It can be a tough industry. I'm glad you brought that up. The drilling industry, of course, is uh, dangerous. I spend a lot of time as a roughneck and, and motorman and, uh, and derrick man. And even still today, there's a lot of automatic rigs out there that are safety 100%. But then there's also the old school uh, where you have the guys that handle the slips, uh, the tongs, and, and everything operates so fast, almost a lightning speed. And when a person gets hurt, it's either really bad or fatal. And do you see that a lot uh, in in your in your field? Well, now I particularly, I'm not in uh, oil and gas myself. Sure, you're, you're in the training of business and whatnot. But yes. I know you. I, I know you probably meet a lot of. Uh, safety professionals uh, in seminars or, or, or conferences or whatever that, that you have, and, and uh, you probably know thousands of them. Do they talk much about that, or pretty much you just go out and, and do a, a generic uh, once over? No, you know, we do. We hold uh, site-specific courses for uh, industries like petroleum, uh, oil mm-hmm. and gas, and and yeah, I mean, <laughs> we, we certainly share our fair share of uh, horror stories in the in the various industries i actually i come back i come from a a meat processing and automotive industry Uh, i've done some some stints with some very large slaughterhouses within the united states and uh, there are definitely opportunities for improvement when it comes to any type of industry but specifically these high hazard industries like oil and gas and uh, processing that sort of thing yeah exactly thanks eric appreciate it alan yeah, brother. So, you know, it, one of the questions Betty just brought up was something I recently saw on a LinkedIn thing where a lot of people are getting in oil and gas. And it's one of the classes that Eric teaches, you know, is about hazardous waste operations uh, because where they're testing new pipelines and they're testing things, they're getting ready to have. And th- this was just from something I'd seen online recently where they're wanting safety personnel and maintenance personnel. And this is something Eric's been doing. He travels around the country is teaching has whopper you know for the responders and stuff like that so there's getting ready to be from what i've seen on the environmental side there's going to be a lot of requests for you know additional training like that because fire departments you know they handle a lot of stuff with vehicular accidents and dot but there's not really anybody outside of nasp that i've seen that does a lot of training for hazardous waste operations for industry. So that was one of the reasons I took it because of working with the anhydrous ammonia. And uh, Eric's class was phenomenal. You know, going into this, you two may not have seen this. Eric and I were on one of the safety groups in Facebook the other day, and a lot of people are not aware of the NASP. We had a smart-ass comment made about (laughs) how the he thought it was being compared to the American Society of Sa- what used to be safety engineers. And Eric was trying to correct him, say, hey, you know, we've been around since this. So Eric, if you would give us, um, how long has NASP been around? And if you know the history of when they got set, can you tell us was the intention to start as the great organization is now, or was it originally supposed to be just specifically training? There is quite a history there, Alan. Oh, by the way, Alan, I do have a little bone to pick with you. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so, how long have I known you now? 
Oh, God, uh, <laughs> seven years, six years? Six or seven years. Yeah, yeah. And all this that. time, all this time, I thought it was Wofford, and then I hear JR saying, the great Alan Woford. <laughs> what? I had no idea. <laughs> Names have been changed to protect the innocent. <laughs> I, I, <laughs> no, you were fine. Every time we were in class, you are the only one that got it close to being right. So I was like, hey, I'm just going with Eric. <laughs> <laughs> well, with a with a last name like Gis, Gislason, yeah, oh. last name like Gislason, I get it butchered all there the time. <laughs> Way to go. So, Way to go. Yeah. Uh, you know, back to your question, Alan. NASP, and in fact, it's ironic that we're having this uh, conversation because this month is the 20-year anniversary of NASP being open. So that's kind of cool. And, uh, you know, it was a small operation when it first started. I used to be business partners with the guy that uh, opened up NASP. We had a smaller company in the 90s called Environmental and Safety Services. And then around 2000, I went on my separate way and I got back into private industry and uh, being a safety manager for uh, several different organizations. And then fast forward came back about 15 years later, and I've been with uh, NASP for the last six years. So it really initially was a an alternative means for doing training through online when online was first started coming out. But Alan, you know our niche all along has been uh, the style, the methodology yes. of the training that we do. Yes. And we're really big on what we call androgological training methodologies, which is just a fancy name for training adults instead of training children. I'm getting pedagogy most of the time. <laughs> That's right. You know, we want to stay away from pedagogy and we want to get people involved and are interactive because that's really how people learn. And I'm glad to see other companies are starting to do it, but we've been doing this since the, the early 90s. And that's kind of what's carved out a name for ourselves. So uh, I've been thrilled about that. But we've we've continued to grow, and you know we're continuing to grow as we uh, go into the new year in 2021. So I'm excited. Yeah, and a little backstory for you guys, uh, Jr. While we was actually working in Alaska, I took my very first online course, first one I'd ever seen through the NASP, and it was for a, basically a safety auditor, safety inspection, and um, the. The thing was at the time, up in Ohio, uh, I was on TOS from Alaska, up in Ohio, Pennsylvania, when we had that major blackout that occurred. Um, I can't remember what what year that was. They started hiring people that, you know, going to safety, doing these audits. And they said the only place that we could find this safety auditor training was through this NASP. And this is how I found out about it. And it was years later that I got to go do my week-long class with Eric for the certified safety manager. So, you know, the, one of the greatest things, and this, this is something, you know, that really hit me was in some of these groups, as I was saying, that one guy was trying to compare the ASS, what used to be ASSE to ASSP, and Eric was trying to talk with it. A lot of people are not aware of it. They don't understand the global reach. They don't know the number of companies. And, you know, one of the things that uh, Eric teaches us in every class was some of the history. So, Eric, talking about the history, talking about like the CSM, can you tell us the recent development with your new certification? Because a lot of them don't understand where you just came in with the ISET. And, you know, the uh, for those that are listening, if you look on some of the government sites, I, I, I take that back, Indeed, where they're hiring for government projects, 
they don't list like the CSP and the ASP as the primary. The primary is actually NASP driven CSM and LSPs, but they've actually just came out with a master's course. So Eric, if you would touch on that and how that you know new designation, new certifications came up. Sure. We're, we're pretty excited about uh, our ISET, and ISET stands for the International Association for Continuing Education Training. That's a mouthful. That's basically the fact that we can, as a body, uh, issue continuing education units, CEUs that are well-recognized. That's ANSI ISET 2018. All of our courses are now accredited. So for those of you guys that are CSPs or CSHTs or you have other professional designations, these will allow you to meet your CE requirements for uh, continuing education for any of the uh, professional designations out there. So we're, you know, we're excited about that. CSM by far is our flagship course. That's the Certified Safety Manager. That's a week-long course. In fact, I'm teaching it, Alan, for the first time since COVID next week. And we've got a class of 25, which is the max we can have in North Carolina. So we're pretty excited. We'll jump through the hoops of the CDC requirements, but I still think we're going to have a great class. Are you doing it at the battleship again, or are you having to do it somewhere else? We're doing it at the hotel. The battleship is still closed down. So we're doing it at the uh, Holiday Inn on Market Street. But uh, Oh, that's a nice place. Yeah, yeah, there's plenty to do around there. Yeah, it's it's a nice place. So, you know, the the courses have been accredited through ISET, but you know, Alan, the big one that we're pushing for that, that we haven't completed yet, we're in the application process, and I'll tell you, we probably don't have time in this uh, segment to get into the CSP versus some of our right, designations right. because, uh, you know, a lot of people, I, I know that people who aren't CSPs tend to snub a nose at people who are CSPs and vice versa. I don't get that mentality. I think the BCSP is a good organization and let's face it, they have the premier test that indicates uh, knowledge and skills, but really I think everybody would agree, even CSPs, that it's based on math, it's based on engineering, Right. So there's a little bit of industrial hygiene. We've had students for years, Alan, push us to, hey, why don't you guys compete with BCSP? And we're like, well, we're, we're true workplace safety. We're not really into engineering. So they, the feedback was, well, then why don't you guys have a test that's true workplace safety? So after years and years, we are in the process uh, through ANC accreditation, becoming a certifying body for two different high-level tests. This is not training. This is completely separate training. This puts us on the exact same playing field as the BCSPs of the world. Once we get this accreditation, these will be two separate credits. There's a CSD, a Certified Safety Director, and an MSP, a Master Safety Professional. And these would be tests through a third-party proctor. They're not open book. They're closed book. It's it's the real deal. And we've been wanting to do this for many years, but uh, we had other priorities at the time to get our eyes set and get our courses updated but this is uh this is going to take place probably in the first quarter of 2021 if not sooner well good deal well, I, yeah it seemed recently on linkedin where uh, a few of the people had done the beta for the msp yeah um, and th- that was really good to see that that you know come into fruition and you know again for those that don't understand the nasp you know it, it's not just training for any specific industry the csm covers construction 
instruction. And if you went to the week-long program, like I did, you know, Eric incorporates a lot of different things. You know, we, we were talking about pedagogy and adult learning, and, you know, we were actually put through classes. And part of that course is we were given an assignment, and Eric says, okay, get up here, teach a class, pick your subject matter, and you work with a group. So it's not just you. You actually see the challenges in giving some of that. And, and one of the questions that was brought up, Eric, we'll get back into CSM just for a second, because people were saying, how is it possible? They don't understand the difference between a Department of Labor, OSHA 10 and 30, but what is it about the CSM that's able to issue an NASP safety 10 and 30 hour card? Okay, that's a, that's a great question and we get that a lot. Initially, we, we do a lot of business overseas. So about 30% of our revenues come from, we have people doing classes in behalf of NASP. We have franchises. Uh, we have three different franchises in uh, Saudi Arabia. We have franchises in UAE, in Egypt, in Nigeria, in India. So you know you can't teach 10 and 30s overseas. And yet a lot of these companies that are U.S. based but doing business overseas in these other countries still wanted 10s and 30s. Right. And our instructors wanted to teach them. So we allowed that and it's perfectly acceptable under OTI to do that because they don't provide it. But then we still had people within the United States saying we'd like to teach the NASP, the 10 and the 30. Is that possible? Of course it is. We do it. American Safety Council does it. There's other agencies that allow you to teach a 10 and 30. I think everybody gets so bent out of shape that it has to be the OTI, right? That it has to be right. the OSHA version. And actually, I'm not a big fan of it, Alan, because if you look at what OTI says about it, say it should be awareness only and you can't count any of the training that you do in the 10 and the 30 towards your site-specific requirements of your facility. Right. Time. It is. That blows my mind. Now, there are seven states in the United States that on construction sites, they do require specifically the OTI version of the 10 and the 30. So we, and we put that on our website. We're very clear about it. It's New York, New Hampshire, Connecticut, Missouri, Massachusetts, Rhode Island, and Nevada. If you're teaching on construction sites, they require the 10 and the 30 from OTI. But nobody else does. It's completely voluntary. And that's the thing that I impress upon people. You go through our CSM course, trust me, you'll cover a lot of material. And oh, I yeah. feel very comfortable <laughs> in allowing you to teach a 10 or a 30 on behalf of NASP. Yeah, it is. If if you've never taken it, it is a rigorous class. I mean, the, the homework you do, everything, the way Eric provides the class, again, if you've not been to one, uh, it all builds up. So at the end, I mean, you're, you're not forgetting anything. Anything. You understand how everything interlocks. Eric, I appreciate you sharing that. Betty, with your background and what you've recently been doing with Columbia Southern and uh, the training you've been through, uh, did, would you like to ask any questions of Eric about training and how it may help you with your uh, new position? Or is there any question you'd like to ask him as a follow-up? Well, while we've been talking, I've been kind of looking at some more of the the curriculum, oh, some of the certifications. <laughs> Who, me? No. No, I'm kidding. Uh, Not at all. 
It's good stuff. I can't believe that I've been in safety for this long and have overlooked this information. And it's again, a lot of people are not aware. That's that's why I wanted Eric on here. Yeah, there's a lot of great courses on here. If I did want to look at doing some of the pipeline training, could I jump right into like the, the uh, pipeline or the Petroleum Safety Administrator, or do I need to, to do those courses in order? There's like a specialist, a manager, and then it looks like the administrator. Betty, if you do the administrator, the other two courses are built into it, so you're not required to take them separately. Uh, excellent. Oh, good. Yeah. It's a good option. Yeah, absolutely. And, and another thing, Betty, on that note, while I'm thinking about it, you said you're uh, enrolled at Columbia Southern. All of our courses are qualified for academic transfers. So yes, you get CEUs from NASP, but they can actually be transferred to Columbia Southern for academic credits. Our uh, highest level certification course is a, an LSP, a licensed safety professional. That's of 20 different specialist courses. It's about 300 hours worth of work and it's equivalent to 21 credit hours at Columbia Southern University. We've got a chart that, that uh, shows the, the transfer grid and what they cover. So a lot of people don't know that about us either. And, you know, shame on us for not doing a better job in marketing and getting the word out. That's why I'm, I'm thrilled to be here uh, today. That's great information because a lot of the people that we've talked to or, you know, the other safety professionals that we're connected with, there's a lot of people that use Columbia Southern. So oh, yeah. if you could do both and accomplish you know or do one and accomplish both i mean how great is that absolutely it's a win-win for that yep absolutely thank you for that information that's great sure Jerry, Eric, are, are you uh, yes sir thank you uh, Alan, for being alert there uh, are you member driven at all at the nasb we are yeah we are we definitely have uh, a non-profit membership division that allows us to, to give back to our community and do some pretty cool things. So we uh, we do have, you know, our memberships are not expensive. It's uh, If you want a premium membership, it's $195 a year and gives you access to all sorts of great stuff. We've got a, a huge resource library for safety professionals. That's, you know, PowerPoints and sure. uh -huh. uh, sample plans and programs. We have a lot of relationships relationships with other safety groups that uh, give discounts by being a member. We've got something called an amenity program. It's kind of like a triple A for safety professionals. Mm -hmm. So you get all this stuff, you know, uh, attorneys that uh, deal with uh, lawsuits related to people getting hurt on the job. We have relationships with them. There's a ton of that on the uh, Excellent. The, yeah. the members page. And for, you know, $195 a year, it also becoming a member gives you discounts on the training programs that we offer. Oh, so, really? There you yeah, go. You, you become a member. Well, well worth, well worth well, that yearly membership. Absolutely. Uh, approximately, what is the number of members in the NASB at this time? Uh, just an approximate, you know, unless, of course, that's top secret info. In that case, I don't <laughs> believe we have a clearance for that. Do we, Alan? Uh, we do right now. Yes. Okay, good. good. I'll, I'll need to see that clearance sheet to, to release <laughs> that information. I'll, hold on. Let me type it <laughs> up don't, in text. Don't email it to him. Don't email <laughs> don't it. Don't email it to Alan. <laughs> no, we've got about, um, the last I checked, we pulled it about three or four months ago. Uh, it was a little over 10,000 people worldwide. Wow. So, 
and those are active members. Those are, you know, we've got uh-huh. people, you know how some people, you, you buy the membership and then you don't do anything with it. Sure, I get yeah, that. Yeah. Uh, I've been guilty of it. But You get all the information about, you need and then they just say, yeah, okay, see you later. That's exactly <laughs> right. And, and that's we why this... we, yeah. Go we, ahead, go ahead. Well, we've updated our membership so that, you know, it's not a one and done type situation because I, I'll I admit it. I, I'm guilty of doing it. Get Get everything I can, then cancel my membership. <laughs> yeah, kind of like insurance, right? Yeah. Only not the same. Well, That's uh, right. we we get this subject asked a lot and talked about a lot, is that do you believe that being in the trades, you know, i.e. like a welder, construction oh, guy, yes. Good uh, question, uh, floor man, yeah. uh, transmission operator, uh, does that help to transition you from the trades field into safety, or, or how do you believe about that? That's a great question. In fact, I think, uh, Alan, we were batting that around U.S. safety professionals the other night as well. With yes, the, yes. I, I think I think that it is tremendously helpful to be in the trades. I think it gives you such an advantage over somebody that just came with, a, let's say, a four-year OHS degree and uh, gets their ASP or their CSP. Sure. Now, there's nothing wrong with that, and, and no, there's plenty no. of people that do it. But to really, quote-unquote, get your hands dirty and understand what other people are going through when they're trying to do their job productively and balance safety in it, to actually do the job, uh, that's huge. Yeah, if yeah. you don't know the job, how can you uh, how can you in- instill safety within the workers? It's just well, you can preach you know, from the you, know, you can preach from your your pulpit. manual, yeah, <laughs> yeah, and then and then everybody looks at you like you're crazy and you don't know what you're talking about. But, yeah, you can't uh, really walk on water. Yeah, I, I understand that. Well, thank you, uh, Eric. I appreciate it. Uh, uh, Father Allen. Yes, sir. So, you know, Eric, and I'm glad you brought that up, JR. Could you give a brief description? I know from the classes I've been in, you know, with the CSM uh, where JR was asking, but could you tell us what kind of people generally take like the CSM courses, you know, and, and for you guys, when I was in the class, we had safety directors, we had HR personnel. We, you, you wouldn't believe the backgrounds uh, that went into the classes and same thing with the has whopper train the trainer but yeah if you would there what you know what are some of the levels that you've seen in the classroom you know from you know guys on the floor up to executives i'll tell you it it, it really is that range that you're talking about alan we've got uh you know demographic wise uh, every class that I teach, I make them hold up their hands. You know, how much time have you had been in safety? Right. And it, and surprisingly, I would have thought CSM would be a lot of the the newbies, but it's not. We have, a lot of our CSMs are people that have had five, ten, fifteen years in the field. It's it's primarily safety managers. Uh, we definitely get a, a cross-section of HR trying to get, uh, you know, because a lot of companies, HR and safety go hand-in-hand. Hand. Yes. <laughs> and security and environmental and everything else. So, you know, people are wearing a lot of hats these days. We So we do a fair amount of HR people. We get fire department personnel. We get a lot of municipalities. We get a lot of government agencies. We're doing a lot more with construction. 
when we first started out, we were primarily general industry. Seems like with OSHA's take on construction and some of these other high hazard industries, there's a lot more focus on that and a lot more opportunity for companies like us to help. But, you know, Eric, talking about that, what would you say are some of the more popular agencies to seek out training? Would it be primarily construction? Do you get a lot of, I know the answer to one of these, but do you get a lot of corporations and stuff that want you to travel, you know, to train their groups in various areas? Or do you see a lot of like uh, people wanting to just build up their thing and asking the NASP to come out and, you know, give them that level of training? Do you see a lot of repeats? We definitely have preferred customers. We have clients that uh, have been with us for years and years. Department of Defense, Department of Interior. Gosh, I've done so much training at the Bureau of Reclamation, all of these uh, dams throughout the western half of the United States. I've got great relationships with those folks. Uh, You know, a lot of our customers, they'll go through a CSM and then they'll say, wow, we'd love to bring you in-house and do training for us. So we can certainly do that. My big thing with that is making the training site specific. If we're going to come in and do it for you, I want to review your plans and programs. I want to implement your policies and procedures into the training so that it pertains to you. I hate having canned programs and doing canned programs for clients. Amen. you know, we, we do a lot of that for for a variety of different clients. Again, primarily our clients have been general industry, but I'd say about 30 to 35 percent now are construction uh, and some of these other oil and gas industries. Oil and gas was kicking butt a while back, but of course it died out with the almighty barrel going down so low, and, and now there's starting to be a comeback in oil and gas as well. With the oil and gas picking up, and this is again going into leading with Betty, for oil and gas, you know, where I was talking about Hazwopper is one of the things people are considering. Oh, now, yeah, yeah. What- What are some other things? I I know confined space issues, you know, especially with H2S and some of the uh, inerts that they use for welding. What other classes would you suggest those going into the oil and gas industry that they should have for that type of work as you see it from your, you know, work with the uh, NASP? Well, I think oil and gas, you're going to hit on all the same general industry standards that you would in a lot of other scenarios, physical scenarios. But, you know, we do a H2S train the trainer course. So we do, and let's face it, H2S is a, is a big one, uh, 10 parts per million on your pail with ACGIH saying one part per million for a pail. That's crazy. That's right. very difficult right. to comply right. with. Um, but that being said, any training like that, your emergency response, your emergency management, your confined space entry and rescue, machine guarding like JR was talking about. I've seen some horrific accidents with uh, uh, people using the rigs and losing fingers and getting legs pulled in and just god-awful stuff. So your PPE, right. uh, all that's covered in our, our various oil and gas training classes that we teach. But uh, it's pretty much going to be if it's general industry. And then there's going to be some construction in there as well. They're going to need it on these oil and gas rigs. Right. Well, sure come a long ways in the last 10 to 10 to 20 years. Uh, the safety in the in the oil field uh, is just it's just amazing how far it's come. Oh, absolutely. absolutely. I mean, that's the name of the game: continuous improvement. You know. That's right. That's right. Okay. Like Alan. Well, Alan knows about that. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so, Eric, if you had unlimited funds, unlimited funds. <laughs> <laughs> oh God, where are we going? 
Well, I don't know. That's what we're hoping to find out from you. But make sure you got your PPE, Eric. (laughs) No, as a serious question, before I go back and, you know, let Biddy and them ask. So, you know, uh, one of the things that was recently brought up, you know, where safety is concerned, you know, they just had the national safety stand down for falls and stuff. But there was actually uh, an organization, I can't remember if it's insurance, I'm sorry, I'll try and find it and send it to you. With all these deaths and fatalities that are occurring recently with excavations, do you think that whether the NASP or other organizations could provide better training on that? I, I didn't know because I know with your experience and stuff, uh, that's one of the things you trained us on, you know, was looking at grade A, grade B and C and talking about soil and all that. Do you think that that's something that should really be intensified, the training on excavations? Well, I think anytime you have a fatality uh, like that, it, it it raises a red flag that, that maybe, especially when you start seeing trends like we are, uh, you know, you hate being reactive and chasing your tail on stuff like this. But uh, if there's if there are continued increases in fatalities, it's something that always is going to need to be looked at and, and provide better and more quality training. Uh, ironically, I just went back through the, the 510 course because I hadn't renewed and I let it lapse and we were in that class doing it virtually and there was a fatality that week a trench collapse and this is one of those you know where you hear these trench collapses and that are two and a half or three feet deep is all the person happened to be on their belly or something yeah. like that so yeah. it's just like uh, there obviously needs to be more intensive training on trenching and excavation and all the work that that goes along with that and uh uh, NASP, along with a lot of other companies, is pro-training. You, you can oh, never yes. do too much training. Yeah. I appreciate that. Hey, Betty, if Eric had unlimited funds, where would you want him to take um, Caitlyn Jenner? <laughs> I thought you said you weren't going to ask that. I didn't ask him. I said I wouldn't ask him. <laughs> oh, I see. I'm kidding. So... Eric, speak. I'm going to let Betty speak now. Betty, any questions on any training that you think the NASP might have or anything that you'd like to follow up on that one on uh, excavation since, you know, oil and gas, there's a lot of excavations. Now, I, I agree that there needs to be more training on the excavations part, but I did notice which I think is a great thing. They offer financial aid. Yes, for some we of did. the courses. Yeah. Yes, yeah, we we offer scholarships. We offer payment programs. We offer VA benefits. All of our courses ah, uh, yeah. uh, can be one hundred percent reimbursed through the VA. Of course, there's always a certain amount. I'm, I'm not the expert on the VA. There's a lady named Christy here that handles all that stuff for us, but. Uh, uh, like the CSM class, it, it's it's 100% reimbursable through VA. So we've got a great relationship and uh, with these organizations, and that allows us to be. You know, we don't ever want to turn anybody away because they don't have enough money to purchase this course. No we much. bend and work with anybody. Uh, the name of the game is getting the knowledge. Knowledge is power, and power will translate to driving the the workplace injuries down and and doing the right thing. And and that's the name of the game and so uh, we don't ever want somebody to be turned away because they they can't afford to take a class so we'll work with you in any way we can that says a a lot about uh, NASP and what they stand for when you put people over profit so I appreciate that very much yeah, Absolutely. Amen to that, man. JR, follow up, brother. So, if Caitlyn Jenner was a safety professional, 
<laughs> I, I think I think Caitlin should be giving us a lot of credit for all, all the times that we put either that or just give her the CSP and tell her to go home or whatever you know. But uh, I have Eric. I've got a question for you. I know that you you got to be a busy guy. I've I've been on board of directors and and I know how busy you guys get. Uh, you, you, there's no days off. There's no time off, and and it's always especially safety. Safety is 24 seven. You can never go down and lay your head down the pillow and expect to get eight hours sleep. It's just not going to happen. And so my question to you, Eric, would be, what do you do to relieve your stress? Simple question. (laughs) Oh, that's a... Not a simple answer, but simple question. Yeah, yeah, it's never that simple. (laughs) And we're also PG rated, so that's probably okay. (laughs) We we have an adult disclaimer that will go on the side. I I noticed that, Alan. Appreciated that. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, I'll tell you, I do live in Wilmington, North Carolina, which is one of the most beautiful cities uh, in the country. I love it. I've lived all over the country, I've lived all over the United States, and always mm-hmm. end up back in Wilmington. I got a little place on the water, so I got a little boat oh, that I man. To, get, to get in the water. Nothing fancy, nothing big, just something to get out on the water. And, sure, sure. You know, after a, a 10, 12 hour day to hop on that boat and go out and throw out a pole or something like that. Or oh, yeah, yeah. Perhaps maybe have a cold one, you know. Uh, the safety yeah. guy does manage to have a. Yeah, my car is already now. filled up, so I'm on my way right now. Uh, <laughs> I got my GPS. You are more than GPS. welcome, JR. I got my GPS or GSP or CSM, whatever it is, uh, <laughs> sided in and headed for well, headed for your hometown, really. What time's supper, by the way? <laughs> Supper's uh, 8 o'clock sharp. That's how, that's how late right. I am. <laughs> <laughs> No sooner, no later. Hey, That's Alan. Right. Yes, sir. Alan, if, if you were Caitlyn Jenner, yes. where would you go to just relieve the stress? Uh, I'm going to go hang out with Eric in Wilmington. Uh, yeah. yeah, it is beautiful. I mean, you Wrightsville Beach. Yeah, I, if, if, I were oh, Kate, wow. if I were Caitlyn Jenner and I had the right shoes for the environment, exactly. uh, I'd go to Wrightsville Beach and uh, get stomped, uh, probably. <laughs> I don't know. Good. Good pastime. <laughs> yeah, you're, you know, one of the things, and it's just a side thing, it has nothing to do with NASP. Uh, right now, a lot of safety personnel, you know, being displaced due to COVID, projects being shut down, stuff like that. Do you see that as something being long-term? Do you think that the guys, this is just a personal thing, not, you know, NASP saying, oh, yeah, yeah we're going to get people back in the field. Do you think right. we'll see a lot of safety people getting back into work shortly? Uh, do you feel that some of these areas are just saturated with safety pros and you know is there anything you if you're still just doing safety instead of being the trainer and the director now uh, what would be some advice you'd give to somebody that's struggling you know their basic safety basically new to the field yeah i mean let's this has been thrown safety into a whole nother realm i mean who would have thought that the average person was talking about an n95 nine months ago right Oh yeah, so, yeah. Uh, it's it's really propelled us into a, a whole new realm of, of dealing with workplace safety and just safety in general has has gotten such a, a high billing as far as the the things that that we have to deal with COVID nineteen. That being said, I mean I do see industry coming back. I mean Good. I'm already Good. seeing it in. Uh, with what we do we're actually as an organization we're up for the year as far as sales uh, now we took a beating 
right in March when we had to stop all of our training. Oh, yeah, yeah, all your uh, trainings. You know, all of our classroom courses. But I'm I'm starting to travel again and teaching for smaller companies and we do this CSM next week. So I think that the the average safety person will will be affected maybe for the next six to nine months. I am optimistic that uh, you know the we get the Hey, the cure for COVID, but the, right. the vaccine and maybe get right that after, after election. Yeah. Yeah. Some would, some might say, come on, man. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, you know, for those that I, I see a lot on the, the websites with Indeed and, and LinkedIn saying, I'm looking for a job, uh, I feel you. And get in contact with me because we do hear about positions opening from time to time fairly often. We have a job site, a job mart where people list, uh, they list jobs with us. They pay us like they would pay Indeed or one of these other companies. Keep in touch with us. I need to do a better job at marketing all the different things that we do to help people in financial strife right now so uh i'm glad you brought that up alan yeah and and that was actually going to be one of the questions i I already knew the answer to but one things i wanted people to know about was you know after training you don't just stop and you don't send them sales you're like hey get on the website here's where our job board is here's where your you know training supplies and support and all this other stuff and it continues i mean you guys just don't say okay yeah class is done and we'll see on the next one um the NASP does an outstanding job of trying to get people placed and not just, you know, uh, one of the things that Eric puts out in classes, you know, is that look at this and, you know, make sure you continue with your education. And that this is the next question, Eric, before we try and wrap it up for you, knowing you're busy as a follow up to like CSM, uh, as a follow up to any type of safety training. What type of training do you think safety personnel should get into Should it, as, as an additional? Do you think it should be like Red Cross train the trainer, MEWP? I, and I guess that would be d- depending on the industry. But what would you say is some good follow-up classes outside of like the NASP or any other uh, OSHA type of training? Oh, my gosh. I'm, I, I know mean, there's a yeah. lot. I know there's a lot. Yeah, there there are, you know, and it really is industry specific. But I mean, I think every safety person out there should have their Red Cross and first aid right. uh, training and, and be able to do that and be able to perform it at the very least. Again, it depends on where you're headed. Uh, now, if you're talking besides OSHA, obviously, uh, what I was going to go is with, you know, the OTI are good courses. I, I never tell somebody don't take OTI. It's just with some people, you know, do you want to take two weeks of training to issue a 10 and a 30 hour card that's right. kind of up to you but maybe you want to and maybe you like having that opportunity oh my gosh there's there's so much training out there you know alan the thing i learned uh, after being 30 plus years in this field i don't know much you know <laughs> the more i learn the more i know i don't know right, right. <laughs> good point it's, it's like I, I had a guy tell me oh you're a safety guy so you should know this and this i'm like no I, that's like saying you're a doctor without having a specialty right I, I just think that there are so many different avenues to find yourself a niche in safety you know it's hard to say well i'm a safety guy or a safety gal what does that mean? Are you uh, industrial hygiene? Are you toxicology? Are you confined space rescue? Are you incipient stage firefighting? Are you m- more medical and health? Are you OHS? 
I mean, my gosh, there's so much that you can do in this field. It's wide open for the taking as far as I'm concerned. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And, and one of the reasons I was asking that, uh, I was part of a panel the other day is where I'm trying to work with UC Davis right now on developing a uh, online class. But one of the things that one of the organizations is supporting this program, uh, they came up and said that one of the things are changing. They do a lot of agriculture. Uh, they do a lot of stuff in support of firefighters out on the West Coast and stuff. But starting next year, uh, what they're doing, because these guys travel and they're going to the various sites, their entire safety department has to, they're paying for it, the company's paying for it, you know, be at least a basic EMT and have uh, basic firefighting skills just as a backup. So if they get to a site, you know, it enhances their abilities. It, it, and it seemed that that one's catching on. It's going to be put into enforcement in like Montana, Idaho, uh, where not the managers, but the field guys, uh, right. the field level, will all have that skill and ability, and then they'll be, you know, assisting and training out in the field. But if you were to say outside of the CSM, LSP, and now the Masters, Eric, um, do you think other courses like Betty took a great uh, communications course? I can't remember the name of it right now, Betty. But do you think that that, that would help with management in order to get words out uh, to communicate better? Or do you think just simply taking management classes because of where you were at that level, having to sell an idea to, you know, maybe the executive board? Well, that's a, boy, if that's not a loaded question, Alan. It, it's a lot. We're <laughs> trying to get a lot out of you. We're squeezing you for every inch. Well, I mean, the, the answer is, a, is an obvious yes. And, I mean, you guys in the safety world know as well as I do communication skills are paramount to yep. driving behavior change getting the word across you know showing the empathy showing that you care about these people that type of thing you've, you've got to be able to communicate with your uh, employer your employees your management so all those communication skills i love taking courses like that anything that that hones in on your management skills uh, I'm a big believer in the continuous improvement and some of the ISO regs. You guys, uh, safety people, should get into those ISO regs. Not even if, even if you're not doing it, but you're living it as a safety manager where you're developing a safety management system, right? Right. Uh, I agree. The whole, yeah. uh, employee involvement, management commitment, hazard analysis, right. corrective action, mm -hmm. evaluation, training and education, all Good that cause, stuff. Yeah. 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 You guys should, everybody should be doing that and living it uh, as a safety person. Yeah. If you don't understand safety, how can you follow, expect somebody to follow regulations? You know, like a, it's, it's better to be a community communicator and be a brute you know like a like a safety cop or hey put your safety glasses on or hey put your stupid hard-toed shoes on you know it's better to be hey do you know why you're wearing those hard-toed shoes hey do you know why you shouldn't have your safety glasses on the top of your head you know uh, it, so I agree. Yeah, 100%. Yeah. Man. What, what a great uh, great point. Yeah. You better put those safety glasses on or I'm going to tell you to put those safety glasses on again. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> There's a song right there, buddy. I'm telling you. <laughs> well, if we can get Betty to shut up for a minute. Uh, yeah, is, I know. Wow, is there man. anything else you'd like to ask, JR, before we go to Betty? 
<laughs> oh, go right to Betty, please. Okay, Betty. Before we <laughs> before we let Eric go, and uh, if we if we can get uh, Eric just to be quiet for so you can ask him a question for a minute. That's hard is to there, do. <laughs> is there anything else you'd like to talk about or mention, or any any questions you have about the NESP that you've not found on the website yet? No, I don't have any questions, but I will say that I will be signing up for the membership and looking into some of the courses that you all offer. That is outstanding. That's that great. Outstanding. Good answer. Good answer. Yeah. Yeah, I can tell by the way you talk, Eric, that you came up through the ranks uh, because, you know, you're not like a hard-nosed, and I mean this in a good way, you're not like a hard-nosed executive director, you know, like like some of them are. You come up through the ranks, uh, and, and you know what it's like to be a safety person. Uh, you know what it's like to be a, a new guy in class. You're scared to death. You know, your palms are sweating. You don't know what they're going to do. Yes. They're going to kick you out if you, if they say, what's your name? I I don't know, man. <laughs> you know, so so I can tell that you're a general person and except when you're when you're on the lake, then it's aggressive. <laughs> That's <Okay>. right. <laughs> sure. With that beer in your hand. Damn drunks. <laughs> Now but I do it. But I do it safely, Jr. I do yeah. it safely. Ah, <laughs> uh, there you go, smartass. Hey, Eric, thank you so much, man. We really appreciate you, buddy. No, thank you, guys, Jr. Alan, Betty. I really yeah. appreciate it. Well, brother, we appreciate you. You probably missed your opportunity for lunch and everything, and I'm glad you got to come on the show with us. But before we cut you loose, is there anything you'd like to say about the NASP that's coming up? Anything that you want to put out there for people like Betty that may not know about the organization? Well, first of all, again, thank you for the opportunity. I, I don't get that uh, opportunity to speak this much. I always, I'm one of these types that uh, I probably don't do a good job of preaching the NASP way and uh, I like to think that people who know us appreciate what we do and what we provide but you know Alan that comment that we had on the US safety professionals oh, yeah. I, I will admit it it hurt my feelings because it said you know are you guys is NASP just a ASSP ripoff yeah yeah and I thought you know nothing could be further from the truth it's not about ripping anybody off it's about giving people other opportunities to further their education and yeah. learn more in the safety world and I I think there's a big enough pie for the PCSPs the NASPs the ASSPs the ISHMs of the world to, to do what we all need to do without getting out there and being ugly towards one another. And I, I, just, I really wanted to make that point because I, I hate seeing that type of vitriol on some of these sites. Well, I, just so you know, I told him his wife and kids were really ugly. He's not married, <laughs> but uh, he he got mad about that and said something about my mom, who's his sister. So, yeah. Well, well you didn't see you didn't see that I like that because you know I'm just gonna like it. I'm not gonna say it, but I'm gonna damn sure no, like it. I was very surprised, but one of the other uh, group admins said, "Oh, well, we, you know, we popped him. He's been in there." Uh, yeah, he jumps in and says just some off-the-wall stuff about different things. You know, people asking about help for a job, and it's like, this isn't a damn job board. And they've had to – yeah, but that that one kind of surprised me because everybody else was like, Alan, you said it's not an association. And I said, oh, I apologize. It's not just – you know, and they, they actually looked it up, and they were like, wow, I didn't know anything about this. But, yeah, that, that, that one kind of surprised me, and I hope uh, – I hope Jan and I meet him somewhere down the street. 
Take care of business for me, Alan. I will, brother. Thank you for coming in again. Thank you all for listening to this episode. We hope that uh, you learned a little something about the National Association of Safety Professionals, you know, what they've done for the industry lately, what they continue to do for education for everybody. BCSP personnel, personnel without, you know, ASP, GSP, CSP, but people wanting to improve themselves in their programs. Eric, thank you. Betty, JR, thank you guys. And uh, we'll see you on the next one. The views and opinions expressed on this podcast are those of the host and its guest and do not necessarily reflect the official policy or position of the company. Examples of analysis discussed within this podcast are only examples. They should not be utilized in the real world as the only solution available as they are based only on very limited and dated open source information. Assumptions made within this analysis are not reflective of the position of the company. No part of this podcast may be reproduced, stored in a retrieval system, or transmitted in any form or by any means, mechanical, electronic, recording, or otherwise, without prior written permission of the creator of the podcast, Alan Wilford. J. Allen.